friends, we meet again online. Unfortunately, because of restrictions, we are not allowed to be together as a church. But I trust that this time together will encourage your soul and God will use this by His Spirit to speak into your heart. We are entering a season where we're going to be looking at the topic, Awesome God. And the exciting thing for that is, is we will be focusing on the object of our faith not the fact that we have to have faith. And I find sometimes in the believer's world, it is, it is crucial to understand the object of your faith instead of just knowing that you have to have faith because there's a crucial link to who you have faith in that will encourage you in your faith. Just quick announcements. We will be starting a week of prayer and fasting. I don't know if any one of you is excited about the prospect of fasting. But from the 18th to the 22nd of January, we as a church will be fasting together with all our churches all over the world. On every single continent of this world, there's every nation churches, and we will be fasting together in, in line with this topic of ours, Awesome God. Because we want to, as a church, be prepared for what God has for us for 2021. Friends, we know it's a tumultuous time. It is a difficult time for for many, but now more than ever, we have to settle our faith and be completely convinced about how awesome our God is that is walking with us through this time. Because in this time, God does not just want to sustain us and maintain our lives. He wants to use us to be secure and significant and able to help others. So that's going to be a great week of prayer and fasting. We will see the regulations that come out. If we can meet together, we will be meeting the Monday, the Wednesday, and the Friday night to pray together. But uh, if we are not allowed to meet, then we will uh, set our times of prayer together that we can pray over WhatsApp in, in Connect Group contexts. Uh, there's a set of daily devotionals on Uversion, the Uversion app that you can download. If you run a search for reading plans and you run a search under Every Nation, you will see it uh, very clearly there. Awesome God is the topic, and you can download that uh, devotional, and it will guide you through our week of prayer and fasting as well. So those are just a few announcements. We will be starting our connect groups, our uh, connect groups getting together the week after our prayer and fast, and that is a time where we will then purposefully build spiritual family as much as we build our faith in, in who God is. Let me launch straight into the sermon for today. I want to... I want to say to you that most of our pastors all over the world and the pastors that I've been speaking to in South Africa are wrestling with what message can we give the church and the people we walk with that will help them to set their hearts for 2021. That you will not just be in 2021, but that you will understand that God has positioned you in 2021. God has placed you in the circumstances that you are in. And... How do you prepare your inner being? How do you prepare your heart to be ready for what God wants to do? Joshua 3 verse 5, there's a moment where Joshua speaks to Israel and he says to them, prepare your hearts, dedicate, consecrate your heart for tomorrow the Lord will do great things amongst you. And this is really a moment of consecration. Our January in every nation all across the world, it's a, it's a month of consecration. But the, the word consecration is when you make a decision to dedicate the natural to serve God's divine purposes. Friends, and 
I want to encourage you that we together as a church and as individuals, we dedicate our hearts to consecrate ourselves for what God wants to do in us and through us in 2021. I'm excited about this. I'm trusting God for an encounter with Him, for a fresh understanding of who He is, and hence our topic, Awesome God, because we're going to climb into this awesome God of ours. Now, in times of trouble, in times of uncertainty, and the year that we've just been through, and the start of another year that, that looms with possible uncertainties, we look at how do we settle our hearts. And I've got a quote here from James Stewart, and I just want to touch on this quickly. And James Stewart wrote a book many years ago, and he starts with this paragraph. He says, here, let me make it very personal. If you as believers would speak encouraging words to your culture, there must be no place for the, for the disillusioned mood in your own life. And he's talking about disillusionment. And then he says, surely there are few figures so pitiable as the disillusioned believer. Friends, some of us have been disillusioned this past year. You've been disillusioned with what has happened with your job situation, with your financial situation. And James Stewart unpacks the fact that once you were so on fire for God, but because of disillusionment and the realities and the pressures of life, because of disappointment in, uh, from people, disappointment from circumstances, you lose that fire that you have with God. And now all of a sudden you are in a place where you say you are a believer, but you are disillusioned. If you truly are very honest, you're going to say, I'm disappointed with the way life is turning out. I'm disappointed with who God says that he is. And friends, I want to say to you, he, he continues with his quote and then he says, If the believer has lost heart, he is disillusioned. And that for an ambassador of Christ is a tragedy. And then he goes on and he says, How to maintain yourselves against this menace of disillusionment? That I will speak of. The believer's inner life. May we speak to your inner life today. As I preach to you, I'm trusting that I speak to your inner life. And the solution to that is the object of your faith. The solution to that is not what you can do to stir up your faith. Remember, we often speak about this. Religion, the definition of religion is what must I do for God? And the definition of the gospel is what God has done for me. So we're going to be looking at this amazing God. And today's heading is God Jehovah, who God is for me. Now, as we continue in this study, today is Jehovah. Next week, we're going to talk about God, our peace. The week after that, we're going to talk about the God who sees me, that personal God that sees you. The week after that, we're going to talk about God, our provider, then God Almighty. And then the last week, we will be talking about God, our salvation. And friends, this will bless you. How do I maintain myself? A.W. Tozer said this, if we would bring back spiritual power to our lives, we must begin by thinking of God more nearly as He is. And this is why we're going to study who God is. Tozer goes on, and I want to pray this prayer 
before I go into the scripture for today, listen to, uh, to, to Tozer's prayer. If you are watching this, you can just close your eyes as I read this prayer because that is truly my heart as I preach this message. Tozer writes this, he says, O Lord God Almighty, not the God of the philosophers and the God of the wise, but the God of the prophets and the apostles, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, may I express thee unblamed, that they that know thee may not call on thee as other than thou art, and so worship not you, but a creature of their own fancy. Therefore, Lord, enlighten our minds and our hearts, that we may know you, so that we may perfectly love you and worthily praise you. And that is my prayer as we go into today's sermon. I want to take you to Exodus 3 verse 1 to 17 and read a passage where God reveals himself as Jehovah, as the God who is self-existent and the God who is Moses' God. He's revealing himself to Moses and he says, I will be your God. Let me read this passage to you and then I will unpack this Jehovah dynamic of who God is. Exodus 3 verse 1 to 15. It starts and it says, Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian, and he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and he came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. He looked... Listen to what Moses did. He looked and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was, not, yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight. Why this bush is not burned? When the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called to him and he says, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Then he said, do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet. For the place on which you stand is holy ground. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt, and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings. And I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hevites, and the Jebusites. And now behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come, I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? He said, But I will be with you, and this shall be the sign for you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. Then Moses said to God, If I come to the people of Israel and say to them, the God of our fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, this to the, uh, say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel. The Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, of Isaac, of Jacob, 
has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and thus I am to be remembered throughout all generations. And thus I am to be remembered throughout all generations. God is speaking to us as a generation as well. This promise is not just for biblical, for the, for the Israelites in, in, in the biblical times. This promise is to us, my friend. And I want to say to you, God's name revealed in this passage is Jehovah, my Lord. It's a personal God that, uh, that, that stepped into Moses' life. And we can, I can speak to you hours about who Moses was. I can speak to you hours about Moses' imperfections and why he would have to be disqualified from being used by God. But that's not my focus. My focus is not Moses and his weakness. My focus is God and how God steps into a weak man's life and he calls him to great purposes. How God steps into a nation that is severely oppressed. I will show you, I will show you later on how severely Israel was oppressed and how God settles this Exodus account. And throughout the whole Bible, we see a reference back to God's grace and this moment in Israel's life in his deliverance for them. The attribute that God reveals about himself is his self-existence. The fact that God does not need us, the fact that God does not have to engage in our, in our urgency, in our turmoil, but that God always chooses to do that. The big idea, God's presence emboldens us for any mission that he gives us. You see in this, in this passage, as Moses is having this encounter with God, that he gets to the point where he says, God, I'm too weak. I cannot do this. I cannot speak well. And Moses gives God all the excuses for not using him. And God's answer to that is, but I will be with you. Friend, if we study, as we study God, Jehovah, may this be the one phrase that strengthens your heart. I am with you. And who is this God? He is the object of our faith. He is God. A good friend of mine, Mark Ashfield, often says that I would rather have small faith in a great God than big faith in a small God. And as we study who God is, you're going to see how great God is and it'll settle your faith. So, I'm working off paper notes today so I apologize for that but uh, there were some technical difficulties in our house God's way of salvation is, 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 is repeated throughout all scripture and as we consider what he did in Israel's life here you will see God reaching out the first step is God reaches out does that, that not remind you of uh, John 3 verse 16 God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son friend in this turmoil times of ours in this difficult COVID economic political crazy time that we are in Jehovah the God of the Bible the God that revealed himself to Moses is reaching out to us then secondly he liberates and he redeems he liberates from the oppressor and he redeems his people to a promise and every single promise that he makes is yes and amen in Christ Jesus we know that from scripture but we also see the fact that Moses wrote this confirms the fact that God completely liberated and he completely redeemed Israel. Number three, he accompanies them. Not only does God liberate and redeem you, but he accompanies you. 
And that will settle your faith. This is Jehovah that we worship. Not just the God that saves and liberates and then sends. He is a God that then accompanies you. He walks with you. Jesus with us. God with us. Emmanuel. We see how God sanctifies Israel. We see how God works in their personalities. And that's the difficult bit. That's where you and I sometimes struggle because God works on us and he purifies us that when we walk in that when we walk into our promise we are able to maintain the promise and take the promise he sanctifies us then he protects us god is our protector and he is our provider and lastly he fulfills all his promises if we can get our tech right i will have these points on screen for you but friends this is the pattern that we see and how God reveals himself to Moses. Now, it's interesting to consider how old Moses was when he wrote this. The theologians say that he was. this was roughly about 35 to 40 years after the deliverance. So Moses is most probably sitting on a mountain looking over Jericho in the distance. And he knows that there's a nation and he's not going to accompany them as they go into the promised land. And he needs to write something to them. And he needs to remind them of who God was and what God did, that when they enter into where God takes them, they can stay in faith, knowing that God will never leave them nor forsake them. So the fact that Moses is writing this account to the children of Israel is a testimony that God was faithful to every single promise he made. Before any victory was won, before any provision was given, there was a promise and every single time a victory was won and provision was made and protection was given. It was just a confirmation of God's character. He never failed. It's a lasting and Moses is purposefully trying to lay a lasting foundation to the generation who will enter the promised land. They are faced with the greatest battle that they will ever fight. They need to win Jericho now. But they are also faced with being in a promised land. And how do we live in the promised land now? How do we live in freedom? Without freedom starting to become our God. It's a fascinating study, friends. God, Jehovah, is with you as he was with me. Is really what Moses is saying. Moses is saying to a generation, and may we as a generation, because remember what God said at the end of that passage. He says that you will remember me in this aspect of my character for every single generation that follows. Friend, may God speak hope into your life. May you know that the Jehovah that met Moses at, in that moment is the same Jehovah that you can settle your faith in today. And I believe that God did great things in Moses' life. God did great things in many of the men and women in, in the Bible's lives. But I believe that God is going to start doing great things again in people's lives. I believe that God will settle and God will use people that will again put their faith in Jehovah, my God. Instead of just the God of the Bible. So God is with you. He will be He's greater than your insecurities. He's greater than the circumstances that we are in. He's greater than COVID. He's greater than your job situation, than your financial situation. And I'm trusting that as you consider the Jehovah of Moses, that you will say the same as Moses was able to say, He is my God. 
You can continue and you can read in Exodus 33 how God walks with Moses and it, and it, and it speaks about the, the relationship and the confirmation again that God says, I will be with you. Because it is written about Moses in his relationship with God when he's on top of Sinai. It says that Moses spoke to God as a man speaks to his friend. That can settle us. Let me just quickly, as I'm starting to to look at the situation that, that Israel was in, just the preceding verses to this passage that I read gives you an idea of the circumstances within which God called Moses. Exodus 2 verse 23 to 25 says, During those many days the king of Egypt dies and died, and the people of Israel groaned because of their slavery and cried out for help. Their cry for rescue for, from slavery came to the Lord. And God heard their groaning. He remembered his covenant with Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. And God saw the people of Israel and he knew. There's a few things that will settle you. This is a situation that the Israelites are in. And the reality is, if you understand Israel at that moment, is they were in slavery in Egypt and they have lost all faith. This was not a faith-filled nation that was in slavery. This was a faithless nation that was in slavery. They were not at a place where they, I don't even think they knew who they were crying out to. But they cried out and listened to this Jehovah that is basically responding to this. And it talks about a few things about this Jehovah's character. In 20, uh, verse 23, and God heard their groaning. If you think about God, you need to understand that God is a God that hears. He's a God that hears your deepest cry at this moment and he understands your circumstances completely. He knows exactly what is needed to get you from where you are now to you fulfilling your purpose and your destiny. God remembered his covenant with Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. So we know that God hears us and we know that God remembers his covenant. And if we consider the covenant that was made with, with Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, specifically the, uh, the, the covenant with Abraham is those who bless you, I will bless. Those who curse you, I will curse. He is a God that remembers the promises of the Bible. My dear friend, that is why it's so important for you and me to read the Bible. Because if you do not know the promises, you will not know when you pass by them. I really want to encourage you and I want to encourage us as a church that we will be a church that, that reads the Bible. That remembers the covenants. That can actually remind God of what he has written. Because God remembers that his promises was not just to Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, but to every single generation till the ends of the age. Then it goes on and he says, God saw the people of Israel. You know what? There's, there's times where you can be so disillusioned and so hopeless. I can remember playing rugby and in, in school when uh, I used to be fit 
it was many moons ago, but I can remember playing rugby and then you play this opponent and I can remember one specific game, it was halftime and we were, I think we were behind 19, 19 three or something like that. And, and I can remember halftime came and as I ran off the field, I just saw my dad as one of the spectators and and as I ran off, my dad just screamed at us and he says, come on, you can do this. And he looked at me, come on, my boy, you can do this. And that does something to a little boy that that wants to conquer the world, but that is not very successful at it. Friends, I want to say to you that you might think that even God is not aware of your situation. You might feel so alone and you might feel so hopeless. But I want to say to you, according to this scripture, God saw the people of Israel in their faithlessness, in their turmoil, in their disappointment, and he reached out to them. And then the last, the last bit of that scripture says, and God knew. And you can assess as you read throughout, uh, if you continue reading Exodus 3, he knew their suffering. God is not unaware of what you're going through. And God's promise to you is that he will not tempt you beyond what you can withstand. So there's a few things about this Jehovah's character that I feel is important for us to understand and important for us to hang on to. Let me just dig into my notes here. So this is Exodus 2 verse 23 to 25. So what did this Jehovah do? He appeared in response to these four things that we, that we just discussed. He appeared. He came. He called. He called Moses. So God saw. He appeared to him. And he called Moses. Then he sent Moses. Then he said to Moses, I will be with you, Moses. And he fulfilled every promise. So when we consider this God that we serve, based on what we've studied in the Bible, based on what we know of Jehovah, the self-existent God that engages with us in our difficult times, He appears, He calls, He sends, He goes with, and He fulfills His promises. Friends, that is my prayer for every single one of us, is that you will experience those aspects of God. And I want to encourage you, don't just listen to this sermon. I want to encourage you, take your Bible, read through this passage, and settle your heart. That is part of our consecration. Part of your consecration is making a decision about who God is. Because the world will scream at you and say, God is not involved. God can do nothing in co against COVID. I believe that the greatest moment for the church is ahead of us. I truly believe that we will see greater things in the future. I, I believe that we will see more people get saved. I believe that our responsibility as a church will be more severely tested. And will we disciple those who get saved? And then... Are you ready to turn and find this God? Remember Moses saw in the sermon, I have spoken to you about God. And it's interesting how God used the natural, just a shrub in the desert. 
and he burnt upon this bush. And the thing that caused Moses to, to take note of this is he saw a bush that was not burning up in the fire. Now, maybe I'm like this burning bush this morning. You're listening to this sermon and you can say, man, I can see and I can hear that there's a spiritual dynamic to what is coming out of this man's mouth. And it's not consuming him. He believes this and it sustains him. It's not destroying him. Friends, my faith is not destroying me. If it was not for my faith, I would be destroyed. I promise that to you. So you can see, like I'm this little shrub and, the, and, and, and there's a fire, there's a spiritual dynamic that bur that's burning upon, my, upon my, my life. But I promise you the answer was not in the bush. The answer was in the fire on the bush. Your answer is not me. Your answer is not every nation. Your answer is not an individual or a thing. Your answer is God. And for some of you, you need to repent. You need to turn and you need to bow your knee before God and say, God, I have served the God of the Bible. But today I want to call you Jehovah. I want to call you my God. Forgive me for being religious. So for some of you, you are seeing and you are hearing. Will you turn? Because it was in turning to the bush. It was in making a decision and in turning to the bush that Moses encountered Jehovah. And I want to encourage you and I want to ask you this morning. Turn. Make a decision to turn to God in this week. Make a decision to turn to God right now. Bow your knees and pray until you hear his voice. If it takes you 10 minutes, it's 10 minutes. If it takes you two hours, it's two hours. Because I promise you, what you find in God, whether it's 10 minutes, two hours, or a whole day, is worth your life. God wants to do something in us. Friends, that is our passion. I really hope that you hear what we're busy to do in this series called Awesome God. Is we want to settle ourselves in the object of our faith, in understanding who God is. Because the more you understand who God is, the more natural faith will flow from you and through you. I trust that this blesses you. Again, just a quick reminder, we will be praying and fasting together. And we're going to start our connect groups directly after that week. And our focus as a church will be in that, in that season, just to really press into this aspect. And understanding God's character. Let me just pray for us as we end off. Father, commit this word to you. Lord, I pray. Father, that there's people who's desperately, Father, they are walking through a desert and they're desperately seeking to meet you, Lord. Father, I pray that you will encounter them. I pray, Father God, that in this moment it'll be like that encounter that Moses had with you. Father, speak to your people. Lord, I pray that you will call multitudes of men and women with the leadership of Moses. Father, even in this season where the world is walking through a desert, Lord, I pray that you will encounter multitudes of young men and women that is called like Moses to liberate the people that they walk amongst. Father, we pray for Nelspreit. Father, not only did you, did you transform Moses' life personally, but you called him to, re, to, to lead a nation. So, Father, we want to pray for those that you want to reach through us, not just for us. 
Lord, we commit this to you. Lord, I pray for people that's struggling with, with finances. Lord, I pray for people who's struggling in relational discomfort or challenges, Lord. I pray for people who's struggling in, in their work situation. God, that you will break through, Father, but that you will break through according to your way and that they will first and foremost encounter Jehovah before they seek just to have a solution for their problems. Father, we commit our lives to you and we truly pray that as a church and as every nation churches all across the world, that we will find you, that this time of consecration will be a time where we will find you and not just have religious moments with you. In Jesus' name, amen.